0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to David Gibbons in Discussion. Our guest today, Gil Garcetti, former Los Angeles district attorney, now master photographer, talks about his work and the profound effects upon the foundations he supports. Welcome to In Discussion today. I am very delighted to have Gil Garcetti joining me today former Los Angeles District Attorney, serving from 1992 to 2000, who was involved with the O.J. Simpson case, in aftermath of the highly publicized Rodney King events, following which he made the life-changing decision to work as a photographer, subsequently becoming one of the most respected urban photographers of our day. As such, he is invested in many causes charged to provide clean, usable water to areas on the African continent, where his passion for photography has highlighted the extraordinary need. To support third world countries with modern resources and technology, the creativity seen in his work has had a profound effect upon the foundation he eagerly follows and supports. Gill, welcome.
2: It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you, David, for the well, opportunity.
1: Well, thank you, and uh, it was such a pleasure to meet you uh, the the other evening here in sunny Phoenix, Gill, at the Water for Our World event, and to have the privilege to to uh, look at your uh, uh, amazing photography. Uh, as a budding photographer myself, well, the the truth is that I I qualified in photography a um, hundred years ago and, <laughs> and, and moved on from there into into the humanities and film and, and writing. So I I feel that I I have a, an understanding of the of the process. I'm terribly interested, uh, given your your background for so many years being a district attorney in Los Angeles. Um, turning to the arts, turning to photography what what sort of paradigm uh, shift does it take? Uh, to to go through that 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 transition, um, I, I noted in in some documentation here that you had insisted once that everyone has some creativity in them, but when you go from such an analytical, and, I, and that's not to be offensive, but a, a sort of analytical career uh, in the, the 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 sector that you were in, uh, what does it take to to move into the photographic world? Uh,
2: well, I guess. It For men, this is an especially difficult movement. I think women find it easier to transition from uh, different careers, but for whatever men, at least who are invested in a certain area, David, it's much more difficult. Now, the your listeners must uh, know that I had some help in making this decision when i ran for re-election for the third time the voters said take a hike <laughs> you know go and find something else to do you know you've done it for eight years let's uh, let's have someone else come in and that's you know i that was a thirty two-year career in the district attorney's office eight years as the elected official with you know eleven hundred lawyers in the office and a couple hundred thousand felony cases every year that's it's a big undertaking nevertheless live and die by what the voters say so when the the voters said you know go and find something else to do obviously that's what i had to do the the safe paradigm for me david would have been to stick with the law i had offers from law firms very generous offers and of course i'd have to produce uh to return those kinds of salaries but nevertheless it was there but i decided i left the office when i was 59 years old and i decided you know I'm going to live at least until I'm 88 in good mental and physical health. That means 30 years that I have. That could be an entire new career. Why do the same thing? Why not try something else? And then things started happening that opened the door. And the one thing I preached, even as district attorney, is you always take advantage of opportunities presented because they might not be there a second time. And so I took advantage of some of those
1: opportunities and that is so terribly interesting um because it it, it like anything in life it's a risk sure. and uh, uh it it was an enormous risk i i guess going into a profession that that was so distanced from from what you had been doing you know looking at your career and looking th- at the the conditions uh, and the experiences that you had had and some of them uh, no doubt um, rather horrific. Uh, what with the, the Rodney King um, events and, uh, and, the o. J. and and the O.J. Simpson and the the police brutality, it's it's quite unique that you can turn such uh, such events into such wonderful photography, such wonderful passion uh, for the humanities. Um, how did you how how did you feel that that worked? And what was the methodology with that?
2: Well, there there are two aspects of it. First of all, I was not new to photography. I had been and was a photographer longer than I was a lawyer. I started being a photographer in the 19, well, I don't know exactly when, but I was like 14, 15 years old when I took that up. And it was a marvelous thing that I always did, even when I was a district attorney. I always carried a camera in my pocket. And I was always taking photographs, and I had photographs up, and I had opportunities to uh, display photographs in galleries, decline those opportunities, and maybe later in life, not thinking I'd become a professional photographer. But this all started how, about a month after I left office. It happened in two ways. One was in January 2001. I left office in December 2000 i was invited by the conrad and hilton foundation to accompany them both as a photographer and as a political consultant to them to assist them as they interacted with public agencies in west africa and non-government organizations because they were supplying assets money to fund clean water projects in west africa so that's you know that kind of began my process in terms of my photography it was a process that yes began in january but really had begun far beyond that because born and raised in los angeles my father was an immigrant from mexico grew up in south central los angeles but i had become the district attorney nevertheless i still had a passion for what one could do with a camera as simple as that may sound you know, that's what kind of drove me. But it wasn't until I was teaching at the Kennedy School at Harvard University when my first book came out that I realized this could actually be a career change. Because what I wound up doing is taking photographs in West Africa in January. Drop Let's drop that for a minute because in June, I started taking some photographs of the iron workers who were building the Frank Gehry-designed Walt Disney Concert Hall. That book about the ironworkers, I'm sorry, that project wound up to be a book project. And when the book came out, I'm teaching at the Kennedy School and the Los Angeles Times writes a review about my photography. Well, I knew it was curtains when I first heard that the LA Times was writing about my photography because they didn't particularly care for me as a district attorney. David, it was 180 degrees. They loved me as an artist. And that's what kind of launched my, I guess, willingness to take the chance that, okay, if I really do fall on my face, big deal. I've fallen on my face publicly before. Let me move on. Let me try this because I think that I might be able to communicate in a different way through my art, through my photography, than I had through my political status as the district attorney.
1: And during that time, Gil, uh, did you have thoughts at all that you, you wished you'd had picked up that camera earlier in your life, that perhaps you could have you, you, you done, done more, created more, um, uh, achieved more, or were you just comfortable that 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 you were finding it then and there, and it was your next chapter, as it were?
2: I have no regrets about my career <laughs> paths. Um, I don't know if you know the name Julius Shulman. Julius Shulman is one of the world's, or was one of the world's, most famous architectural photographers. He became a mentor of mine when he was eighty-nine years old, and I had just left the district attorney's office he'd seen my work he then started introducing me at times um, to audiences and he would always say now when i saw gill's photographs so for the first time i looked at him said why were you ever the district attorney this is what you should have been doing and i smile and my response david is that maybe i could have done something uh earlier as a photographer But what I see today, what I feel and think today is based on all my experiences in life, including that as being district attorney. So no regrets, David. I'm going to live in good and mental and physical health until I'm at least 88. (laughs) And I still have a lot of artistic work, I think, that I can accomplish.
1: Well, I was uh, reading about your time at the, the Disney concert hall. Yes. I, I was terribly interested in that, Gil. Um, the, your book, Iron, is clearly a great success. But, you know, those images reminded me so so much of Charles Ebert's uh, images from the 30s. Surely. I, you know, in particular, that, that lunchtime atop the skyscraper. Yeah, yes. uh, yeah. Were, were you, were you uh, impressed upon by those images when you uh, arrived at the Disney Hall, or were you not aware of those?
2: I was... I was not aware of him nor much of his artwork. I was aware of one or two iconic images, but that was not the impetus. The impetus was that, one, I saw this raw steel going up, and it's soaring, it's curving, it's bending. It was marvelous to look at, but I also knew, David, this is going to be covered up. And so I said, you know, all right, it'd be my own project. Maybe I'll, I'll try and photograph it. But then I also see the incredible artwork, diligence and intelligence of the iron workers. Frank Geary and his cohorts designed the building, but it doesn't get built without the talent and dedication of our iron workers, New York City, Cleveland, Los Angeles, wherever, it's the iron workers. So I decided Said, let me memorialize what the iron workers are doing, because they should be thanked as much for this building, this iconic building in Los Angeles, as Frank Gehry will be thanked. Uh,
1: so, in other words, your images are not simply... Uh, strong graphically architectural shapes. They, they are more about the human spirit that, that is uh, invested into creating that.
2: M- Most definitely. When I write the forwards in the book, and you may not have seen that, I ask people, said, if you go in and appreciate the concert, don't just thank Frank Gehry. Remember that feeling, that sound, the sensuous feeling that you have when you look at this uh, building, both inside and outside. It's because of the dedicated work of the men and women ironworkers who got this
1: built. Now, in in taking those photographs, Gil, do you see uh, that sort of composition as rather static, uh, rather um, in terms of, of composition and form um, rather uh, in a in a grid fashion when you take those photographs and i'm only asking this uh, having been a photographer for so many years myself yep. that you th- then moved on to uh, th- th- your actually your third book the, the dance in cuba and your style can become so fluid mm. um, how how do you in your mindset go from creating that sort of image to uh, to, to moving on to something w- with more fluidity, uh, it, it, how do you how do you work that? How does that come out? Well, of a you?
2: very interesting question <coughs> th- that you put to me, David, uh, because I never did look at uh, the the first effort, the the book Iron, as being a static subject matter. I wanted to show the the spirit that the bent and curved iron and the acrobatics of the iron workers seem to convey to anyone who is willing to look, to look beyond seeing. I mean, really see and feel what is going on here. With that second book of Frozen Music, which is simply the abstract art of the Walt Disney Concert Hall, yes, there's static images, but... If I haven't communicated the soaring spirit that that building generates, then I haven't done my job because that's what I felt. That's what I really felt. And of course, you know, the dance in Cuba thing, yes, it's completely different. I had to fight the dancers there because they were professional dancers, non-professional dancers. Professional dancers don't always like movement, especially classical ballet dancers. They want to show the exact perfect form, freeze it. Don't do anything more with it. Don't show me in motion. And so, but, you know, I was working with them, and I think I conveyed to them the importance of showing people that, no, this is spirit. This is a dirt poor country. I'm now trying to convey to people outside of Cuba, said, look at these people. They're very poor, but when they dance, look at the spirit they have. Can't you feel that? Can't you capture some of that? and don't we appreciate that we don't need all the material things that many of us require to really have that spirit of life
1: and of course that that rather articulate explanation behind your photographs is rather unique Uh, we we all are budding photographers at heart but Essentially, many photographers take a picture uh, because of the visualization, perhaps, or, but but not because of the uh, effects in the long term or the story that that comes from it. And I was interested uh, in one of your quotes, um, and I'm not sure, uh, Gill. So forgive me, but sure. uh, you suggested that uh, you have you have a broader view um, after uh, coming out of a life of yes. uh, being a, a prosecutor. Um, of what can be done with your work Mm -hmm. uh, more so than other artists and the chief purpose of your photographs is to try to do something and raise awareness of issues and and is is that one of the main purposes behind your work when you moved into the African continent
2: most definitely David I mean I do not take on projects unless uh, there's a fire in the belly so to speak And I use that phrase from a political phrase. When people are trying to decide whether to run for office, if you go to a political consultant, they want to gauge, do you really have that fire in the belly? Are you really willing to get out there? And do you really feel something? Or is it something, well, I need a job, I'm going to go forward or whatever? I will not take on a project unless I really feel something. When I was first in West Africa in January uh, 2001, I saw the poverty. I heard the stories from mothers of the children, the babies they lost because of the bad water dysentery that led to death within a matter of a few days. I've heard and I saw about the the waterborne diseases that cause blindness in children and, and, and adults and everything that goes with bad water. But, David, I didn't know what to do with this information and the photographs. Because the photographs were primarily of beautiful people, resilient people, beautiful landscape. What we hear and see so often are the poor, desperate, dying people. Well, they are all poor, but they are not all desperate. They are not all dying. Can they use some help? Yes. But it wasn't until 9-11... Eight months later, that I realized what I had to do, and this goes back David, to your original uh, statement perhaps about seeing a broader picture. When we had 9/11, I realized I had to do something because the countries that I was in in West Africa, Ghana, Burkina Faso, Mali, Niger, Cote d'Ivoire, are primarily Muslim countries. I looked at it in terms well we should morally, ethically be helping these countries bring the water to them that is simply below their feet, but they don't have the money to bring it up to the people, number one. But number two is my political hat on. I said, we need to be seen in the Muslim world as caring for Muslims. This is what we have to do. I have to bring this to the attention of people in the United States and beyond, and they will be responsive.
1: And they have, David. Well, I certainly can share your experiences, as I had mentioned to you before we went on air, that I myself directed a documentary in 07 in Nigeria. Yes. And frankly, uh, for 10 days, it was shocking. Uh, When I returned to this country and flew into LAX, I realized, of course, that I would never uh, in a lifetime be able to explain the conditions that I had come across of wading through mud literally for 10 days and watching uh, old men and uh, six-month-old babies uh, falling dead in front of me. It it was amazing. And yet, I so uh, agree with you there, Gil. One of the things that came out of it for me is that we don't don't have anything to complain about but furthermore I saw a resilience in the people over oh, there which was quite remarkable um, and y- you certainly have have gone out as your remit to uh, represent that um, the, the the challenge of getting water to these these people then clearly is is not difficult as long as we can provide the technology. It, it appears to me that it's so close to them and yet so far in terms of uh, uh, logistically uh, creating a formula for for support so that they can achieve this.
2: Well, it may not even be the technology, David, but it boils down as to money, dollars. Everyone knows all the uh, people who have anything to, to do with water in West Africa know there is plenty of water for everyone in West Africa. And don't forget, we're talking about millions of people. Over 70% of the people in the countries I just mentioned, plus the neighboring countries, do not have safe water. But in every one of those countries, there's plenty of water. But it's simply underground. These are old, ancient, ancient, prehistoric reserves of water that are there. What is missing is the ability, one, to, all right, precisely where is the water, uh, so that's the technical part of it, but the bigger part is simply the money to drill a well. It costs about from eight to $12,000 to drill one well for one village, and you will change the lives of those villagers, not just for them, but for generations to come.
1: What is your perspective, interestingly? 9-11 was an amazing period uh, for our generation, uh, probably uh, for many generations to come.
2: Yes.
1: How did, and I'm, I am returning here to some points, but how did 9-11 affect you and your work?
2: affected me to the extent that I knew now that I had a photo project. And here's the difference between most artists and me. And I'm not patting myself on the back. It's just that I went through a different career path to get to where I am today. You know, I saw what I considered to be some compelling photographs I, I had taken that established both the need, the issues, the problem, but also the beauty of the people And what happens when you do bring safe water, how how life-changing it is, talking to the people, seeing it in their eyes, seeing it in their faces, what we now can do because we're freed from the daily burden of having to go water, get water, fetch it, be two miles or ten miles to go and fetch that water, break our back coming back, and then get sick with that same water. We're free from that. We have good water. So here's all the good things that happen. I saw that. But I also saw that most people in the United States certainly did not know that there are countless millions of people, in fact there's over a billion people worldwide, that do not have access to safe water. The issue for me was that Americans like to solve problems. And the water issue in West Africa, at least, is a solvable problem. It's not like AIDS where we're not quite sure how we're going to handle it or how do we, you know, take care of the issue. We know that there is safe water in West Africa. The only question is, can we develop the resources to bring that water to the people of the rural villages of West Africa.
1: Did you expect, uh, looking back on the last uh, four or five years, Gil, did you expect your photography to be so effective um, compared to the career that you had had before? Did you you have, or were you of the realization that photography as an art form could be as impactful uh, as the career that you had been in for so many years?
2: I probably did not. Maybe somewhere in in the back of my of my mind, I was hopeful. Uh, I know that you know. Certainly, one image can change the way people feel about a certain issue or subject matter. Um, But when I looked at it, I looked at this is going to be difficult. Most people do not want to hear about Africa. Were you know we hear about the constant drone of the poor, dying, desperate people, Um, and they've had enough of that. Well, what I tried to do, and where I was hopeful that maybe my photography could be the the vehicle to deliver this, was to change that perception through a positive story, and that positive story being, bring them water. It's there. It's so cheap it costs about ten twelve thousand dollars for one well and you'll change the lives of hundreds if not a thousand people and for generations thereafter so you know the impact that um, has been much more profound david than i could have ever anticipated the hilton foundation is the one who funded my project i asked them not only to fund the project but to buy several thousand copies of the book to give to the nonprofit, so they can sell the book to fund their water projects in West Africa. And I committed to one year. It has now been two years. I will be doing this the rest of my life.
1: Do you think, given the state of the economy uh, and the clearly the, the the social problems that we have, that people could be turned off from? These sorts of projects right now given that there's there, there's not as much uh, available cash around uh, People seem to be rather uh, concerned about the Afghanistan uh, Conflict and 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 Iraq uh, do, you, do you not think that people have enough on their mind without worrying about Africa that rather than just concentrating on how they're going to get through here in this country
2: you you might think that would be the case and certainly that was my fear but two examples you and i met at an organization called water for the world fundraising event in phoenix It was the first time they ever had a big fundraising event like this it was a huge huge success and these were people who came who understood they were going to have to give money and that money was going to go to digging wells in Africa and other places, I gave. When I give a speech, I sometimes challenge the the organization. Let's say it's a Rotary Club or Optimist Club or you know whatever group organization it is for Optimist. I said, "I'm working with a nonprofit right now that will double whatever we can raise in lumps of sixty one hundred dollars." We look at it that one well, the average well cost $12,200 to build. So I challenge them, said, will you, through your membership, raise $6,100? If you can, not a penny less, $6,100, we have just built a well because the nonprofit will match that. There was a man in the audience, David, who had listened to me. And after my speech... I had some people come up, and one man asked, what if I get two or three organizations doing it? I said, that's fine. He listened to me, this other man listened to me a little more, and said, you know, it's really a bad economy for you to be doing this. And, you know, I know it is. It's, it's, it is difficult. He smiled, said, I'm going to send you a check for $6,100 tomorrow. And he did. I received it.
1: That just shows the... The integrity of people yep, uh, despite d- despite the uh, poor conditions that, that we 're in, I did have uh, a purpose for that question. Um, if you look at the work of Aveden, mm-hmm. uh these great American photographers who yeah. who crossed this continent. Uh, is that something that you may look at? Uh, I had a an a ongoing uh, project, 14 days, taking, uh, amongst other things, taking photographers across this country to explore this country very much like Avedon did. Do you think that that might be something that, that you would consider? I would. I would very much so. And what do you think that you would come across uh, today uh, versus maybe four or five years ago?
2: I think what, what I've come across today is much more in terms of the ethnic shifts in our population, and both the tension it's caused, but at the same time, the good that it has brought. And it's we're a very young country. You know, we're not like Great Britain. We're not like Russia. You know, we're not, not like Japan. They have ancient histories. And thing, we are still such a, we're, we're still a baby, and we're still forming. And I would like to perhaps be a little part of that in showing, at least, in this early part of the 21st century, how we are changing. The bad as well as the good, but you know, I think you're going to find many more good things uh, that perhaps will surprise me as well as surprise uh, you and others.
1: Do you think that uh, clearly your photography has created enormous interest? Uh, it it has supported uh, so many organizations with its power and its strength and, and clearly a message that, that you provide with that image. Uh, do you think that film is something that you may explore uh, certainly as a practicing photographer myself coming out of university so many years ago it always seemed the progression to move into film or writing Mm -hmm. is that something you may consider obviously but I realize that you were consulting producer on the closer right Uh, do you think that the the, the film and documentary perhaps is something that may be in your future
2: as you were asking that question I was smiling because the executive producer of the television show the closer which i'm a consulting producer has been well aware of what i've been doing and about four weeks ago five weeks ago he and i were talking and he said gil what you need to do is put this on film a documentary have you ever thought of that because said you'll reach so many more people and he's absolutely right and that is something i want to explore as to whether or not i would be the the actual documentarian or not is problematic you know i'm not wedded to that uh... but it is certainly a vehicle to continue to raise public awareness about this issue of safe water and that's why i first started this public awareness will yield results because i don't care if a republican a libertarian a declined a state or a democrat When you hear about these issues, it's a solvable issue, you will respond. And a film, a documentary film, feature film of some kind, I think would have a greater reach.
1: What is it about the film medium that creates that enormous reach and power that almost diminishes photography. It certainly has a greater reach yep. um, to so many more people around the world, especially with the, the dawn of the Internet and, and, and everything else that is going on. But is it not rather sad that you have to uh, move on to film to achieve something that the, that the photograph cannot?
2: Well, it's, it, you can look at it as being sad, but it's a, just a, a fact of life is, uh, you know, why do some teachers now, you know, from the Sesame model, that, okay, you have to k- keep moving the subject matter a little bit. It's almost the same thing. You can look at a photograph. You can be moved by that photograph. And if you do your photographs correctly, they should tell a powerful, compelling story. But most of us want to be told the story. And you can be told the story easier with a film. And maybe if you hear the actual voices and you see them in movement, I mean, if you actually see people, you know, picking up a 40 to 50 pounds of water on their head and you're only 10 years old uh and you can hear the grunt, you can hear the groans, you know, yeah. You know, there's a reason to have film. I can't capture all of that in a still photograph. And I, I don't have any problem with it. I look at my photographs as as being perhaps as good as film, but i 'll reach a different audience uh, because there's so many people who will glance at a photograph but give them a the film they'll sit down and they'll watch it that's okay
1: when you When you have reached this stage and you have these quite amazing images that you have uh, placed uh, or invested so much artistic thought in, compositional thought, form, mm-hmm. uh, everything that goes with an image. And yet you have transformed that, unlike so many photographers in the past, you've actually transformed it into a model, into something that is working on a bigger scale, on a broader scale. Uh, how, how, how does that make you reminisce about the, the, the process? Uh, do you now have to shift your thoughts away from that creativity to ensure that it's the, it, it's the, the, the output and, and the message to people that, that takes precedence at this stage?
2: Well, that's, that's where perhaps my training and my experience as district attorney has helped. Because if I was going out giving a speech on we've got to do something about domestic violence or about keeping kids in school, you know, I know the audience might want to hear about the O.J. Simpson case or the Menendez brothers, whatever, but I have a purpose and a reason to go and out talk to this audience. I might use the invitation to, you know, quickly mention a high-profile case, but then it's my responsibility to bring home the ultimate message. For example, with juveniles, you know, 78% of all people in prisons throughout our country are school dropouts. Why do we focus so much on putting people in prisons? Why aren't we focusing more on keeping kids in school? To keep kids in school, chances are they're not going to be in prison. It's the same thing, I think, with, with the water aspect of it. I have to focus, and part of my training is help me focus. You know, What is your ultimate goal here? Not to show a beautiful image uh, of a photograph. You can pick up my book, and I think there are some beautiful images there that most of your listeners would agree, yeah, that's that's a beautiful image. But what do I want them to do? I want to motivate them. I want to get them involved. I want them to, if not donate directly to help uh, uh, dig a well, get involved with a nonprofit there. Not everyone has the money. To assist, but there are other ways of helping. I want action. I want ultimately our government to be involved.
1: What could that do for your your daily life? I mean, how how could that take you or elevate you from where you are known as a photographer to perhaps becoming more of an ambassador uh, as as this as this expands
2: well I, can, I don't think I can fully answer that I am prepared for example at the appropriate time and certainly given the recession it's not the appropriate time uh, but if I knew for example that I had a hundred thousand people nationwide who donated ten dollars or more uh, to um, our project it's called water is key uh, that is the project. Uh, then that empowers me to go to members of congress and say look in essence i have over 100,000 people who have signed a petition but it's not just someone signing a petition because they had to pay to sign the petition they gave us 10 bucks and they're saying that we as a people we as a nation should be involved in helping bring people a Basic need in life, and that is safe water.
1: Well, this may uh, this may be a complicated process for you, I suppose. Uh, it may be that you'll have to become more of a tactician and uh, uh, lobbyist rather than an image maker. At the end of the day, is that something that uh, that concerns you?
2: Well, you know, I am not a water expert. Uh, I have now indicated to you that I'll probably spend the rest of my life working to raise public awareness about the issue of safe water in West Africa, and also to help raise funds for the non-profits. Uh, but I also have other photographic ideas uh, that I want to pursue. I have a book coming out in April. And the photographs are completely different from anything I've ever done. First of all, they're primarily in color, but these are photographs of women on bicycles in Paris, David. Now, people start laughing and say, Whoa, that, I'd love that kind of assignment. And it was a marvelous assignment, a marvelous long project. I have photographs of women in all seasons, but there is a, an import to this, and the import is... That believe it or not, in the mid nineties, certainly the early nineties, Paris, the uh, Paris, France, was not a city that was friendly to bicyclists. That changed in the mid nineties, especially after a transit strike that went on forever. Today Paris is considered one of the most friendly city for bicyclists. And people can say, well, that's nice, but so what? What's the import? The import is it has reduced traffic congestion and has dramatically helped to improve the air quality of the cities. So we have a project here that we're starting in Los Angeles when the book comes out in April. We're working with various cities in the greater Los Angeles area to try and replicate some of the programs that the city of Paris has done and hopefully, again, reduce traffic congestion and improve the air quality.
1: And when when I uh, and sorry to interrupt, Surely. but it had it come to mind uh, the works of Norman Parkinson, um, a, a wonderful, uh, celebrated uh, British photographer back in the forties and fifties, who who also <laughs> went to Paris and of course he he, he loved to uh, photograph beautiful women uh, and spent spent the twenties, thirties, and forties doing that. Mm. Um, when you undertook that project, this this recent project, and given that you had uh, uh, re- retired from the uh, Los Angeles uh, um, DA's office, and you had moved into this uh, uh, this Disney project, and you had developed your style, and then you had moved into the African continent with these books, and now you now you have this other project now. And and it seems amazing to me now that you have these wonderful images from Paris, but it is amazing that you are actually utilizing them with a plan, with a strategy to encourage others in the community whether it's environmental or humanitarian mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. Now when you, when you launched into this idea in Paris was it planned or, or, or was it first your uh, lyrical and visual senses that, that took you down that road to create the images first then to be followed by the ideas of actually impacting the community with a strategy?
2: Well, I love your description of how it might have started at the beginning, and in fact, that's the way it started. It was lyrical. I was simply standing on the corner of Place Concorde, and it was early morning. I was waiting for my brother-in-law, who was in the embassy, and I see this beautifully dressed woman on a bicycle right up to the signal. And the front, she had a big purse, and on the back, she had tied down a big briefcase. And so I loved it. So I I photographed her, and then, you know, a a minute, probably less, uh, another woman comes up, and I photograph her, and that's when it hit me. He said, look at this. This is fabulous. So I started photographing uh, the women all over the the city of Paris uh, who were doing everything, everything, on bicycles that we do in cars. And that's when it hit me, said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, is there an idea here? So I went to my publisher, book publisher, and I said, here's what I'd like to do, um, and I'd like to develop this. I'm not sure it's going to develop in terms of a project uh, for the greater Los Angeles area, but I, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but it took about a year when I started partnering with what's called the Los Angeles Bicycle Coalition, and they work with cities throughout the uh, county of los angeles to try and improve um the the receptability to bicyclists in their cities and so we formed a partnership and we've been working together now for three years uh... the mayor of paris has written the forward to the book um that explains that we were not a friendly city to bicycles but look what We've become and look at the uh, the the great things that have happened because of that.
1: So, really, you are creating a worldwide community. You are bringing. We live in a worldwide community. Well, certainly, and you're bringing municipalities together uh, Mm -hmm. from from many different countries to to learn from each other, which which is very much the premise of this program. I hope as it's internationally broadcast. Uh, it, it it seems to me that you have a massive responsibility um, obviously I've grown up in the art world, I've grown up as a photographer but I, I, I don't snap pictures now, I wish I could um, and I I've clearly know a lot of photographers but the one thing that is coming out of this for me is that your unique responsibility that you have as a, a person uh, with um, a very strong background with, with great contacts, uh, with a way to leverage not only people but organizations with your work, uh, is that a responsibility that that overwhelms you in terms of uh, the, the art that you, that you have taken on? Did you re- realize that that responsibility would come with the camera?
2: I don't think I realized that the responsibility would come with the camera but I accept that responsibility and <clears throat> that's why I'm I pick with care what my projects are. I've had um several opportunities to take on photographic projects and get paid a lot of money uh for them but I've declined because they were not something that I felt that i wanted to pursue said okay i'm not taking photographs just simply to get paid for it yes i do sell my photographs on the water project and i don't make any money off them you know all the, the proceeds go to a non but my other work from disney hall etc the, the dance in cuba series those yes i sell for profit those things uh because you know i want to i need that motivation in part david that people are buying this because they believe that the photograph is art that they are willing to pay a substantial amount for and it reinforces me both as an artist and then I'm commun- as a communicator that I'm connecting with that person who is purchasing uh, that photograph and I've had a couple exhibitions in the United Nations one on the Cuba series and one on my water project in west africa and i would hang around there because people wouldn't always recognize me obviously in new york city and i would just judge the reaction of the people who were looking at the photographs and i love that because i want to know am i connecting with them are they getting this a couple times i would actually uh begin a conversation with them and then introduce myself so it was a lot of fun but it was also a learning experience for me so i do accept the responsibility that comes with the projects that i've undertaken
1: uh, clearly you have a, a an extraordinary ability to wear different hats i think that one of the things that looking back over uh, my career at other photographers that i Graduated with and 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 uh, kept an eye on, is that photographers, uh, artists uh, find it very difficult to wear different hats. They yep. they are usually, frankly, uh, either great photographers or or dreadful businessmen. Uh, they, they don't seem to be able to do to do both. And I yep. I, I think that's a that that's a sensible remark. I certainly know, cite uh, a, a an example. I interviewed or had on the program a couple of days ago with great pleasure a musician composer from uh, the united kingdom who is uh, very prolific in the british broadcasting world and he composes much of their music mm-hmm. and he said at the end of the day you know when you are a visualist uh, or you are lyrical or you are artistic it is not really about the money that you're making frankly if you didn't make any money you would still want to do it because it is your life Indeed um how do you how do you recognize uh the the path that that lays ahead of you gil uh how do you recognize uh the links to which you will have to go to transform the art form that you possess in ensuring that it fulfills all the objectives of the foundations that, that you support and e- engages your your mind uh, you and your storytelling ability to be able to perhaps transform this into film, into documentary. How do you plan that ahead?
2: Well, you ask a huge uh, question, <clears throat> a very complex question. I'm not sure is the simple answer, uh, but I... The, again, the benefit that I have, um, being the artist I am today, is that I was trained in an analytical way, to look at things in an analytical way, and to plan. Uh, not just to take things on on a daily basis, but to actually go out there and try and make some things happen. Uh, so I remain analytical, and I do plan, and I do uh, plot moves, I do figure out what I can do. Who are the partners that I can work with? Who might be interested? Not everyone is interested. I get turned down, quite often. But it only takes one partner usually, and when that happens, there's magic. And part of my job is, of course, you know, to try and persuade or sell uh, my partner to or potential partner to join me, or to get the media involved or to get my audience involved, uh, or to find a venue or an audience that will listen. That's not always easy. Uh, But you have to be willing to go out there and do it. And, David, and here's what's difficult for so many artists, you have to be willing to accept the no. And that was a big lesson that I had. When I was district attorney, I had to raise several million dollars when I ran for office. So you're out there dialing for dollars, they call it. Well, if you get turned off after people say no, you know you're not going to be successful. You have to understand. Yeah, a lot of people are going to say no, but it's going to surprise you who do, does say yes, and to the extent they are willing to help. And David, when the people, when people, not the people, but when people hear um, the subject matters that that I'm involved in. They respond to that. They really do. The West Africa thing, you know, is obviously the clearest example. I have people who did not vote for me for district attorney, who have been huge supporters of my artwork and my projects in West Africa. And, you know, that's life. You have to understand that we all have ups and downs in life. We're all going to have disappointments as well as successes. Um have a positive frame of mind in going forward and just continue to believe in what you want to accomplish. And if you believe in that sufficiently, you'll be able to communicate that belief to other people and that will result in action.
1: Well, Gil, with that said, it has been extremely interesting in hearing your journey. Um, I am so terribly grateful uh, for you appearing on this program.
2: Thank you so much, David, for the opportunity. It's been delightful.
1: I'm I'm absolutely delighted that you've uh, that you've joined me today. Uh, thank you so much, and You're very uh, we'll we'll look forward to talking to you again.
2: I hope so. Thank you very much. Goodbye to you and to your listeners.
1: Thank you to our listeners. We hope that you've enjoyed today's program. If you wish to provide feedback or have any questions on today's program, visit our blog feature at davidgibbons.org. Where I'm sure that our guest today will be pleased to share his experiences. Meanwhile, wherever you may be in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in Discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at DavidGibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors.